For questions, email us at apprenticeship at kpfa.org or give us a phone call at 510-848-6767, extension 235. And you're listening to KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, 881 KFCF in Fresno. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover, Joblin's Bistro. As around the sun, the earth knows she's revolving, and the rosebuds know the bloom in early May. Just as hate knows love's the cure, you can rest your mind sure that I'll be loving you always. Good afternoon, everybody. I am Javelin. This is Javelin's Bistro, cover to cover, and I'm actually sitting in as a guest host to Raina. She's out healing herself today, so get a lot of liquids in your body, woman. Take care of yourself, and we will, your audience will see you next week, maybe. I hope so. So listen, today I'm going to bring you a port that lives here in the Bay Area. She just had a show this past weekend, State of Black Bodies. And that was over at the East Side Arts Alliance on Sunday. And she's going to be talking today. Her name is Unique Macau. She is a MC, a poet, an essayist, a playwright, an actor. Her work deals with the experiences and history of forgotten people, bringing them to a central dialogue. And if you hear anything of interest to you today or would like to weigh in on that conversation, if you have thoughts about black lives and the voices of forgotten people, then the number that you will call is 510-848-4425. Because don't forget, whenever I am on the air and most of my colleagues here at KPFA, you are our co-host. Also, later on, joining us on the phone might be Audacious, who's a poet that works with Unique with Press Play uh, posts. She may join us and give her a part of her conversation. Who knows where that may lead us. So I'd like to welcome my guests. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Javelin. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So now, the forgotten people. Tell me who the forgotten people in your world of creativity and you as a human being, who are the forgotten people? Well, um, my first example and experience of being a part of the Forgotten People. Um, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and where I grew up in Baltimore um, essentially was the place, the last place you wanted to go. Um, if anyone is familiar with The Wire, um, Franklin Terrace Projects, the ones that they talked about in the first and second season, was based off of Lexington Terrace Projects, which is where my family, uh, my grandma raised my mom, aunts, and uncles for 30 years of her life. Um, when I came into being in the 80s, that place was a nightmare, pretty much. Like, no one wanted to be in that place. So it was essentially concentrated poverty, concentrated segregation in the 20th century after the Civil Rights Act was supposedly had done away with all of this. Um, but here you have this group of people who are experiencing mass poverty mentally and physically just having to exist and you know you throw in the crack epidemic you throw in age you throw in all of these other elements and then you tell them to live <laughs> so that those are my origins so this so you're born there so just you can open that up 
uh, so that a person can get a snapshot of what poverty looks like because we hear the language of it and on a global level it takes on different meaning and for those who haven't watched any series it may be familiar to them give us a day not just from where you are sitting born but those around you what how does poverty walk through the day uh poverty is very heavy um the people who I come from are really great spirits, but they were never actually allowed to actualize the beauty that is their spirit. So much anger, um, so much rage, so much lashing out, so much reaction is what I think poverty and living in abject poverty, i.e., you know, waiting on first in a month for your check, i.e., you know, being in and out of rinky-dink jobs, you know, low-wage work, um, you know, my grandmother being the matriarch because there's no, you know, father around because he passed away in the 70s. Just so it's like all of these what they call stereotypes of people. But um, rather than blaming the victim, I'm seeing it from a systemic understanding. And what that did is it literally trapped people in poverty, in place, in the part of town that they had were had to move to because of restrictive covenants and just essentially living there for the rest of their life with no access to anything else other than what's in front of you. Um, a lot of that was, you know, drugs, obviously, a lot of violence, a lot of just, you know, kids seeing a lot of this stuff and being very desensitized to it at a very young age. Um, a lot of fighting, just, you know, all of these things that we think make us who we are have essentially been fed to us as a sort of experiment, if you will. Um, and I just use Baltimore as one example of many cities across the United States that were dealing with the exact same things at the same time. Um, and we are just the offspring of it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so there you are uh, growing up. And how, so you have looked at that through your writing mm -hmm. as being born into a space of forgotten people, mm -hmm. and then you took a journey that moved into the arts. Mm -hmm. How did that happen for you? Um, well, I I started writing in elementary school, and it was it was kind of my voice. I I didn't really have. I know a lot of the people I was just talking about, you know, the anger, the loudness, like a lot of that I bottled in. I didn't really, it wasn't an outward thing for me. So what happened was my writing became a testimony for what I was seeing and what I was observing that I didn't really feel like I had the, you know, the words to describe, you know, um, to people because, you know, I felt like I might be judged or criticized and I was also weird, you know, so throw in that. So my writing was just the way that I began to unlock from what was happening and I think I became you know I started looking at the world very differently around like 15 for example and just really looking at the corruptness of politics and like you know just the continued racism sexism homophobia happening in our community and the violence and all of that and you know I was blessed to be able to be around people that also felt the same way and we connected you know artistically and just built off of each other in that way and all of that has essentially led me you know to being right here in the bay doing the same thing with a group of women who also have seen these things in their surroundings and we all are collectively able to write it out and describe an experience that you know has taken lifetimes to describe but fortunately we are able to do that 
through our arts and talk about the things that people don't like talking about, you know? And it's also, too, it sounds like it's, uh, it's the continuation, the evolution of the Harlem Renaissance. Because mm. a lot of the writings of the poets, the painters that came out of there, Lorraine Hansberg, James Baldwin, Langston Hughes, mm-hmm. talked about the poverty, the pain. In Richard Wright's um, work, he talked about, in uh, what was it, A Native Son. Right. The opening scene in that mm-hmm. is a rat the size of probably a small that would be considered here in the Bay Area. Right. And that it becomes a war between and symbolic mm-hmm. uh, between him, his mother, trying to kill the rat and him, and then the poverty, which led to violence, which led to the legal system, which led to so many things. So it sounds mm-hmm. like this group you're working with are continuing that journey yes. in the 21st century. Yes, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, we definitely are standing on the shoulders as press play of some really dynamic um, examples of art um, and black art and calling it black art in a state and time when, you know, colorblind racism has allowed has been allowed to run rampant while, you know, people are getting shot dead in the middle of the street for being black. But you can't call it that. But we're calling it what it is, mm-hmm. you know, which is. Black voices reclaiming black experience mm-hmm. and telling it from our own perspective, not waiting for someone to tell it for us. And a part of the the work that you do is healing from the trauma mm-hmm. of the things that have accosted communities throughout the United States, mm-hmm. the history of the United States. Mm-hmm. How talk? Let's talk about what that healing looks like for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that healing looks like allowing yourself the space to find yourself without someone telling you who you are. As a black female, there are so many, you know, avenues, while at the same time being very limited avenues that tell us what we should be and who we should be, what we should look like, who we should date, who we should talk to, what we should spend our money on, how our hair should look, you know, what jobs we can do, i.e. nursing and teaching and the end. You know what I mean? Like, But we know that if you are allowed to explore and examine who you are without, you know, massive conditioning, who would you be? You know, who would you like? Where would you live even? You know what I mean? Like we just, I feel like we folded ourselves in to our greatest potentials. We're not exploring our potential because we have our own mental health that also doesn't get discussed around what we even think we can aspire to be. And I feel like healing means doing that which is in your soul, not that which is in your physical body or what they put on your physical body because of your, you know, your skin complexion or because of what you look like or because of where you come from. We are even more than that, you know? So I feel like what's happening now is a mental revolution of sorts, of us realizing that we have been lied to (laughs) on a lot of um, accounts and also... Whose dreams are we following? Are we following our own truly or are we following what we were told to do? You know, what's safe, what's comfortable? You know, we were never a comfortable people, you know, <laughs> but we created, well, rather we didn't have comfortable experiences, but we created something so beautiful out of that. And I just feel like it's about taking your pain and not allowing your pain to take you. So when you, let's uh, let's slow it down for a second, mm-hmm. and I want, because it's something you said that's, that I think uh, all of it, but in this moment where 
you say that we took it and made it beautiful. Mm. What did we take and make beautiful? Mm. Well, we have collectively experienced, and our collective consciousness is black people. We have experienced so much trauma from the moment that we got to these this land, to this country. Um, and we have not been allowed to process that trauma. Our great-grandparents haven't processed that trauma, let alone our my generation, which is 80s babies. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, but it's been just piled on, piled on, piled on. But what have we done at every venture of every, you know, Jim Crow law, of every reconstruction, of every, you know, all of these, you know, just hideous systemic violences like how have we taken that we created the blues we created you know works like their eyes were watching god we created for colored girls you know what i mean like and we still are here doing that we created the music you know when i'm thinking of like so many musicians i'm thinking of mary j blige like just we take our pain and we make it something that is that you can feel yourself as though you went through it you know what i mean and i think that's the power of blackness just our magic but also you know that's the power of just being who we are innately you know what i mean the united states tells us to be in the mercy of our pain to be in fear so we can just keep buying a bunch of stuff so they can keep telling us how ugly we are etc but when you take on who you are that in and of itself is a removal of that pain and birthing something else from it so what you are saying as a part of the healing process for those that are listening to think about is healing that it's about listening to one's soul. Yes. To hear what one's soul purpose is to be on the planet. Mm-hmm. Why are you here? And once you get here and you happen to arrive in a place based on based on uh religion based on gender based on whatever the properties are that you need not be dictated by that as to who you are mm-hmm. but then just to go into your soul and in your soul you'll be able to find a path your own path Yes. So you gotta let go of all the propaganda, all the other, the politics of living, the, the social stigmas of living, but into your soul. Yes. And out of that, it sounds like some of the folks you've mentioned, uh, as artists were able to know that in their soul was something called art. Mm-hmm. And they articulated the circumstances of their life mm-hmm. to reveal that. And that has taken on, in many ways, a universal theme. Yes. That's why you find blues and, and jazz and hip-hop and, and other um, uh, Pacifics that came out of African-American culture, black mm-hmm. culture, globally around the world. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what have you in your own writing can you share with us today so we can... And again, um, you're listening to Unique Michael, and if you want to join in the conversation, 510-848-4425. You're listening to Joplin's Bistro on Cover to Cover, and um, she is part of the Press Play Poets that will be actually next Sunday at... Um, what is it? What's Ono? Betty Ono. Betty Ono. Yeah, Next Betty Sunday. Ono Gallery. Yeah. Gallery. And that's, where is that at? That is um, downtown on Broadway. It's um, right around 14th and Broadway. Um, you can't miss it. Yes, Google it. Put it in there. Use your technology. Find out what's happening. And then if you want to join in and, and to experience and to connect, connect. 
So what piece are you going to do for us? Um, I have a poem called This Ratchet Poment that I think speaks to a lot of what we've just been um, talking about. So There's black girls with blonde weaves, white girls with black scents. This millennium minstrel show be the latest attraction and shows no signs of slowing. No, black culture's always been in fashion, even when black people haven't. From welfare queens to H's, bees, chicken heads to ratchets. Boo-boo. Ain't no room for your stroller in this new cafe. You and your Remy weave best swing it that way. Cast you behind the windows of your grind until they find use for you. In television's prime time. You make the top slots chock full of Emmy nominations. Don't even need to surf. Viacom got all the stations. Flap that beak down corridors from VH1 to Maury. Clap them hands when you speak. Keep them pigeon wings soaring. You poop on glass feelings. Take boyfriends with no feelings. The only layer they have access to is when your makeup is peeling. Underneath that lays the mean mug. Did you forget black women rarely ever receive love from most in a land that built itself on our backs, commanded us on a daily to sit back, relax, and take it, born with a smile and laughter, sparkling from the hereafter, then suckled from baby bottles the formula of hatred. And our mothers could protect us, but never from your faces. So we made ours even tougher for you to be afraid of. And you will never seek to truly comprehend our pain. Instead, You'd rather sell it for stocks and profit gain. Ratchet is selling like that hot girl on August 17th. Ask Iggy, ask Miley, Katie, Taylor, and their team. You want to climb that billboard chart? Just blacken up your speech. Roll your eyes, suck your teeth. Get on that album cover, and this time, spread them, spread them cheeks. Who knows? Maybe your favorite rapper will dedicate a song to thee. You can pretty much forget about your liberal arts degree. Forget you ever knew a black girl until 2013, when you moved into our blocks and sent us back to the auctions. Our houses bought and sold to the highest bidder. So now you can say you finally lived like us. <laughs> Where are our royalties for the awards they're winning? Our door knockers in gold. Our fashion stories untold in vogue. Our lip gloss and gum smacking from Oaktown to Manhattan. You can't ignore our presence. You cannot barter our souls. I want black girls to remember before you were cold, you were whole. I love you because you refuse to speak in code. You're never scared to click clack your way through this here globe. And I know you'll never shut your lips until you're given what you're owed. <laughs> I want to, uh, the couple things inside of that, that, um, that wonderfulness you just did. We, all, but, but I want to first, we have a call from, uh, Audacious from, I think, San Leandro. Hello. Hi, good afternoon. Good afternoon. You're on the air. How you doing? I'm great. Is, um, it, is this Audacious? It's Andrea. 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 Okay, I thought. Okay, I read that wrong. I, uh, the engineer held up something. I saw A and thought it was you. Andrea, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Um, I'm really enjoying what I'm hearing on the radio, and I really just wanted to ask you, ladies. You know, I'm also black female and whatnot, but just wanted to kind of question or comment. You know, what a, with all this Black Lives Matter stuff going on, and with our people feeling so lost. You know, there's this whole thing where we actually have been here, you know, saying in the States, and we're really disconnected with our own land. And I think that that has something that's really um, deep-rooted within us also, you know what I'm saying, like not having a sense of belonging. 
Nothing. We never came from Africa, you know, but just kind of this whole thing of like we've been here for thousands of years, even before slavery. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And how that affects us also as a people not knowing that part of our history, so therefore always feeling disconnected and how that also, you know, plays in our lives. I don't know if you guys have any comments on that. Well, my first reaction to your comment is to to say to you kudos for that understanding because what I'm hearing you, if I'm uh, hearing you correctly, is that when you decapitate a history for anyone and then they think that's where the beginning once upon a time and it starts at this space but before that time there's a whole landscape of history of spiritual emotional history down to the physical details of that history and if you don't have that almost like someone standing in back of you to support you that you go from that place in which someone says this is where it started and if this is where it started is a place that's not pleasant to hear first you were slaves mm-hmm. and if that's all you hear mm-hmm. first you were slaves and that's the beginning and end of the conversation and you don't know before that before you was a slave you were mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you were, and even kings, queens, and you was a mama or a daddy or a child or playing or laughing and kissing sunlight. You were all those things. You were free to drink water whenever you thought you could not only that, get naked and run in the ocean. And before that, you could just take sand and build whatever you wanted to do before that. That your feet, see, all of that, all of that. So that's what I'm hearing you saying. So that's my response. I agree. Yes. Yes, and I really thank you for, um, from my perspective, for also bringing that in as well. Um, yeah, as African American people, it's really, you know, it's hard when all all that we have been taught and conditioned to believe is, you know, the trauma of slavery. But we we have a even longer legacy with us and through us that is unmatched and not physical, you know what I mean? And has far more to do with who we are um, energetically than who we have been told we were. And we've been told to be shut up and we've been told to be silenced, but we don't know how to do that. (laughs) And that's why I think the, you know, the suppression and the oppression continues, but you are absolutely right. Like we have been here for forever, you know? So, why can't we just be allowed to then flourish as we are? So, caller, let me ask you a question. We talked earlier, Unique was saying earlier, in terms of uh, healing. Yes. And you have expressed that you are also a black woman. Yes, I am. How do you go? What what rituals of healing do you use in your life? Well, you know, I am a you know, practitioner of the Lukumi tradition, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with, Risha and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But just the universal energy that, that we're very much connected to, you know what I'm saying? So when you said running in the ocean, that's healing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a Yemaya energy. That's that's that motherly energy that so many of us are disconnected from, you know, or just taking time and breathing and connecting with ourselves is mm-hmm. All this supposed new age, this is traditional, mm-hmm. you know, traditional stuff that, not to knock our Asian cousins, brothers, sisters, whatever, but this, you know, stem from one place and spread out, 
and it's something that we all have within us. But just thinking positive and attracting, you know, just thinking beyond limits. I, mm. I, it's really a hard thing to just kind of say in five or one minute. No, you, you actually know? said it. What you actually said, I'm going to go reflect it back to you. You said what you do on a daily is practice the rituals, the ancient properties of breathing, of celebrating, of, of going inward to oneself and embracing the spiritual applications long before even we were flesh, bone, and blood mm-hmm. yeah. that reaches out. So you absolutely did it. And thank you for calling in. Thank you for thank joining you. in on our conversation. Yes, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And so with the group that you work with, how many uh, women are in the group that you work with? Uh, there's four of us. Um, there's Chanel Timmons, Champelle, Vanessa, Audacious I Am, and myself. Uh, they started the group um, around 2012, 2013, and I joined the group last year. Okay. Yeah. And what's the intentions of the group? Uh, Press Play um, basically just intends to bring truth um, within our experiences to the masses and to the collective um, and our understandings of truth we know are not going to be everyone's understanding of truth however we are here to you know to talk about reclamation of our bodies and reclamations of our spirits from uh, systematic poverty systematic violence um, in a way to uplift what is happening through not just poetry but shows through workshops um, through just conversation and dialogue, especially just getting people talking about what's going on and how we can um, better work together collectively in order to advance what is, um, you know, betterment for our people. So thinking about working together collectively, let's play a game for a second, you and I. Mm-hmm. So I am not a black female and I'm listening to you and I can put so put whatever you want on me. Uh, whatever that may make, I can be a man, I can be whatever it is. Tell me in this collectiveness that we are, that you're seeking, what would be my investment? Hmm. What would it, what would it do for me to actually give me a hook that I would say, I want to be a part of this? Well, I think, um, the hook should be a greater understanding of human existence and evolution and where we are as a planet even is we are raising ourselves up away and dying away from the old rigid you know very base ways of communicating and understanding based on negativity based on fear and raising yourself up raising up your vibrations like the sister said to like really understand yourself beyond the physical and recognize that we have a purpose. Each of us have an individual purpose, but we also have a collective responsibility and understanding to uphold the planet in a place of love and not a continued place of destruction or, you know, just tearing someone down or judgment or any of that, like absolutely ridding ourselves and our minds and our spirits of that negativity so that we may raise ourselves up. And, you know, black folks have a place in that. White folks have a place in that. Latinos, Asians, no matter what your nationality or race is on this planet, because all of that, as we know, was fed to us anyway, you know, as a, as a way of dividing. We actually all as a human race are elevating collectively. 
So this is about human evolution. Yes. This is about the spiritual evolution of a thing called people. Yes. Where the tree's evolution has, is doing its thing every day. The, the dirt itself evolution does its thing. The sun's mm. evolution. We as a people, what I hear you saying, collectively have a responsibility to human evolution. And that requires the elimination of, the, of forgetting people on the planet mm. and alienating people through ism. Mm-hmm. And those dramas that keep us from one another. Yes. Take us out with another piece. If you have something to do right. to give us, take us out. We are closing up our hour. We've uh, this half hour, and it went by so fast. We have one more minute. It looks like to just give us something that you like to share towards our human evolution. All right. Grandma said, "Why can't you just dress like her?" Wear your hair long and pretty like her. You done cut off all your hair wearing them big jeans, looking like a boy, like a hobo leaving this house. Why can't you just dress like her? All them dresses I bought you. You ain't never seen no women dressed like that in this family. Women pose to wear skirts, pose to grease they scalp, keep it from looking dry. You wasn't raised like that, wasn't raised like that, wasn't... Wasn't it you who told me to be who I desired to? You, with a ring healthy on each finger, stop wiping the snot off of my nose and let me clean it the way I saw fit. Them dresses didn't fit me because I couldn't sit with my legs spread apart lest they called me too fresh, too fast. Why then did she ever question this? Why then do you ever question this? When the truth is, I am everything at once. And this I truly wish we could discuss, but I'm a hard pronoun to swallow, so I keep this on the hush. When in your company, because ain't it obvious that I'm too much? Ain't it obvious that I'm too much? We overcame the mass delusion that we must conform to succeed. So whatever's in her wardrobe, I know for sure I'll never need. Thank you for this half hour. Thank you, Javelin, for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. Enjoy, everybody. Go out there and do some human evolution. Talk to somebody. Peace. Now, can't reveal the mystery of tomorrow. But in the past.